Hello, this is Alfonso Berrigan, and you're about to listen to the Talking Pop with Franchise and Biko. You can catch all past episodes on Pobby and now available on Spotify. So let's get on with the show. Hello geeks, otakus, fanboys, fangirls, and nerds alike. Welcome to another edition of Talking Pop with the Franchise and Pico. Of course, I am your host, the Franchise, and always joining me at this desk will be... Pico. And of course, um, time of this recording, it's going to be Halloween tomorrow, so hope you guys, I hope all the trick-or-treaters dress safe, wear reflective colors, especially if you're going to go trick-or-treating at night. And make sure parents check the candy, <laughs> because you never know what kind of crazy shit your kids going to be getting in their trick-or-treat bags. Mm-hmm. Now, today's episode is actually inspired by uh, but the Bunny Ears podcast, me and, my, me and Beagle were listening to the other day, and they came up with uh, that episode based on lists, lists, lists of things they like. So it kind of inspired me to say, hey, why don't we do our own lists, you know, our top five favorite things in the world of pop culture, and pretty much, you know, share with each other and also share with you, the listeners. Um, also, too, if you haven't checked out the page yet on Podbean, we just got a new logo for Talking Pop. Um, that was a really big shout-out to Hatchful. I was able to do it. They were really great. Um, you can actually design logos for, like, your business or your store online, and it was all free. So hats off to Hatchful for their... Let me create a new logo. Hope you guys enjoy the new logo. It's like we got like a little spaceman type of thing. So it's kind of like symbolizes, you know, we're exploring different world, different factors of pop culture. So definitely, um, definitely something that's really cool. So check out Hatchful. You can download it on your iOS or Android. Also, too, um, want to give a big shout out to our international listeners. You know, Pod being, you know, being a big help when, you know, creating a podcast. So it actually lets you, um, look at stats and, Let's say a big shout out to listeners in the UK and Sweden, you know, thank you so much for listening to this podcast, giving me the chance, you know, like I said, we're not sponsoring anything, um, but like I said, I do like to give credit where credit is due, you know, big thank you to Podbean, and also big thank you to Spotify for letting me share our, pretty much our opinions with you guys, the listeners, so, alright, let's get on with the program, but before I do that, um, there's some interesting news that I found this morning, um, Eddie Shakar, who's, you know, the producer for the Castlevania series that's currently on Netflix, you know, season two just came out last week, and apparently he tweeted saying that he's talking with a big Japanese, uh, licensor about working on your project, but he won't announce it till November, and there's been speculation that possibly Nintendo was the, was the Japanese company, video game company, and possibly the IP that he was in talks with will be The Legend of Zelda. Maybe you will get a Legend of Zelda <laughs> series, you know, if Castlevania was, you know, I haven't seen the second season yet, but I really enjoyed the first season of Castlevania. I'm looking forward to watching season two, and um, we'll see. I mean, like I said, people are thinking, oh, maybe it's a Legend of Zelda, but the producer, Eddie Shackard, said he won't announce anything until November. Like he said, stay tuned for the announcement, and of course this company... Possibly Nintendo are keeping their lips tight because they're just waiting until the producer making the announcement first before they, they confirm it. Um, also, too, Red Dead Redemption 2 came out last week. Um, I played the first one. Maybe I'll get it. Maybe not. I'm still working on Spider-Man for PS4. I'm still like the tail end. I haven't even gotten into the DLC yet. So, sorry, guys. I'm a little behind, you know. My schedule is changing a little bit in the next, like, month. So, because I'll be going to driving school. So, 
for CDL. So our recording schedule might change a little bit. And of course, uh, Biko got a new job, so he's going to be busy too. So, but we'll find a way to get together. And believe me, we got a lot of good stuff planning on in the next coming uh, weeks for Talking Pop. We got many ideas. We had a brainstorming session yesterday. It was awesome. Um, so we got some good ideas coming along the way. So without further ado, um, Biko, any updates on your end? Did you find anything in pop culture that you want to share? Um. Not and as far as news, not really. I haven't really heard too much. Basically, the same thing. A lot of Red Dead Redemption on the internet, and just people talking about that, and then all the bullshit politics. But I don't really want to get into that. But yeah, nothing new in the pop culture world, to be honest. Yeah, if you're hearing me and that's our roommate's cat elf. Um, he likes to talk. He's a big talker. So right now he's hanging out with us here while we're recording. So we'll try to keep his meowing to a minimum, but he likes to talk. So. All right, before we do, let's get on to our list. Um, we're going to go in order. Um, of course, we did decide to do these lists. Um, I decided to do the top five, five being the lowest and one being like the number one. And the first one we're going to kick off, we're going to do some little bit of music. Um, so I decided to go through my head and come up with the top, what I feel are the top five music artists that I like to listen to. And of course, starting at number five is the king of pop, Michael Jackson. Reason why is because, you know... Growing up, you know, I wasn't a big music guy, and of course, you know, I, I just remember watching the music videos on MTV, or you know, going to my cousin's house and watching the they had the music MTV had music videos back then, and they showed you know Thriller, they showed you know Beat It, always good ones. So it was you know it got me listening, and of course, my mom remembers a song from when he was a kid, you know, with the Jackson Five, you know, Ben was her favorite song from him, you know, ABC. Of course, you hear that. I mean, movies and stuff. Of course, like Billy Madison, they played that song. And um, but like I said, you know, Black was just a good. He, he will always be the king of pop to me, and you know, I always will listen to his music. Kind of shame that he was gone too soon. Um, number four for my. Uh, we'll go with your number five. What'd you have in that? Your number five. I actually did have Michael Jackson number five. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, just very inspirational, and I mean, God, all the reasons. Listening to an early an early age and uh, just going through the whole history of his catalog is just it's hard not to like pick a song that you really like from him. I mean, it's it's really good pop, but like in, incorporated a lot of different sounds and he could write a song to a T. And I mean, he he did a lot for what he what he had, and then it's sad to see him go so early, but. He did leave at least this world with something to remember him by for like the rest of the time. Uh, but yeah, we can go to number four. All right, my number four, I had the piano man himself, Billy Joel. And it's funny too because I didn't get to Billy Joel until I was like seventh grade or eighth grade. Of course, I went to like Catholic school, so they had these retreats and we had this guy who was conducting a retreat, and all of a sudden he started playing the piano man and. For some reason, that song stuck to my head, and and you know it wasn't just that. Um, I remember other songs from him, like later on, like The Office. They did they parody uh, "Who Started the Fire." We didn't start the fire by making fun of the of Ryan. <laughs> yeah. And of course, I didn't get to more in a mental rock band where you know if you guys played rock band, they had a lot of his songs on there. So. I like I enjoy Billy Joel. I like a lot of the songs he did. Um, you know, moving out and Face song, um, Miami twenty something, um, uh, the longest time, Uptown Girl. Of 
course we didn't start the fire my life i could name you a lot of songs by billy joe but i really enjoy his music i mean he goes into different um not just piano but yeah, he incorporates a lot of, like the rock to it and he, he like bounces out but it's a guy too that honestly he never does anything new he always plays the classics so if you go to his shows take advantage of go to his shows you know he just plays the classics He's one of those, like, honestly, if the fans still enjoy his music, his old songs, why should he make new ones? Because he's still going to have a big fan base, of care, a big fan base, you know, of all his classics. So definitely check out his shows. I know, was it last year, he did Wrigley Field, and I heard, like, it was really good. And, uh, like, I would like to go see him one day, go see him live, like, at Wrigley Field or any chance he'll come over here in the area. So definitely I uh, have Billy Joe's my number four. Would you have your number four, Biko? Um, for number four, I had the Stones. Uh, I I feel like I have them kind of too high, but at the same time, it's not so bad. I think four is a good spot for them. Uh, mainly because in that British invasion time, the Beatles took over that whole influence because they're the driver for it and became really big. And then the Stones were big in their own right. Very interesting band that started out their career not. Uh, writing any of their own songs until later on, and then they exploded to being a very successful band that's still touring to this day. Uh, and uh, say what you will, like they're both both bands when there's the whole Rolling Stones and Beatles thing. Both bands had you know blues influence, which I really like. So, and they, I feel like they same somewhat paid homage to it by coming over here, and they would mention that. Like, Chuck Berry would be an influence for them and stuff like that, B.B. King. And I liked seeing that in those type of bands, and you could see it in the music. And they were just as experimental. just But they still stayed up to, like, close to that rock edge. But, yeah, they're my number four. I think number four is a good spot for them. And for my number three, I have, of course, you know, I am, we are Hispanic, so it'd be a shame for me not include this artist. Honestly, this artist to me is like a legend. And there's many legends out there in the world of, you know, of Latin music, but to me, he's one of the ones I actually, you know, remember from the days of my parents playing his songs in the radio in the car, and still, I went with uh, Marco Antonio Solis, also known as El Buki, so with him because of course that's my dad's favorite band and my mom likes him too and you know all his songs when he was with the bookies and uh, i mean some of the songs by himself are not that bad too i really enjoyed a lot of his solo solo work and honestly he's a legend and honestly he's still going on and he still has that long hair mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of looks like jesus but <laughs> but a lot of his songs really enjoyable and you know it's something you can always you know listen to um honestly it's one of those like honestly it, to me, he branches, like, he'll do, like, you know, mariachi-style songs, he'll do, like, slow songs. But when he was in his days with the with Los Bukis and pretty much, um, it's like, they used, like, a synthesizer back then. It was kind of cool <laughs> listening to those old songs. But honestly, he's he's always on my my shuffle list and uh, on Spotify, so definitely listen to Marco Antonio Solis. I mean, there, I could name other legends, you know, like Vicente Fernandez or Juan Garbiel. Honestly, this was the one that actually hit me the most, was Marco Antonio Solis and Buki. So what you have in yours, number three? Uh, number three for me would have to be... Fuck. I had... Uh, it was more like... It's because this is so hard to narrow down for me in five, but I had like a three-way tie uh, with Sabbath, Floyd, and uh, Queen, I want to say. 
because I don't want it out, out of the list, but then there's like there's so many other bands. But those, that's like a three-way tie between all those. It's hard to go into detail with all three of those, but they're all very influential in my life. And and I hope to like other people's lives if people haven't listened to Sabbath or let alone Floyd. And like, are you kidding me? Like Queen? Like, I don't, I don't, I'm sorry. I think you have to live a sad life. <laughs> uh, but no, like listen to those bands they, and those movies coming out for them. I mean, Ozzy's still alive. I don't know how by the spirit of himself. It's awesome. Uh, and then Pink Floyd, the remaining members, uh, see Gilmore. YouTube, but just David Gilmore's concerts are pretty amazing. Uh, but yeah, very influential bands. It's just it's hard to narrow it down. But that's my three. My, th- my threesome for the three. Go ahead. Okay, for number two, of course, I had Linkin Park as my number what? two band. Why I picked Linkin Park as number two, you're probably thinking, why? Um, because due to the fact that, like I said, I wasn't a big music guy until like the early 2000s. And of course, you know... Visiting my cousins, like, on weekends, you know, when we were not in school. And, of course, you know, we all had basic computers back then. And, of course, back in the days, you know, Napster and all that stuff. So, one of my cousins, um, he had um, Lincoln Park playing. You know, it was a band, you know, I wasn't big in the rock back then as I am now. But it was, like, a new style rock, you know, new metal, you know. Adding, you know, rock, hard rock, but with a little bit of, like, metal, with a little bit, you know, DJ time of scratching and all that stuff. And Lincoln Park, you know, honestly, um... It's sad with Chester, you know, not being with us, and it's kind of sad, but, I mean, they have really, like, good songs, like, loud, you know, one of those, like, slow songs, like, Shadow of the Day, you know, songs that really stand out, or One Step Closer, Indian, you know, Numb, a bunch of songs, you know, I really enjoy. Of course, they did a lot of music for the Transformers movies, like, New Divide was one of them, which I do enjoy, um, I do enjoy that song, and then, like I said, um... Really like this. Really like their music, and you know it was a big part of my life in the early two thousands. And honestly, you know I ended up getting their CDs, and you know got one of their live DVDs when they released their first live DVD from Texas, which was really cool. Watching the whole show, it's like I was there, and just had to see that. You know, Lee, you know Chester having you know, all those issues, you know, eventually taking his life, and that's it's kind of sad to see him go, but. A lot, as long as he left a legacy of music, you know, people will keep listening to Linkin Park because it's like a legacy. When You know, when an artist goes, it's, at least they leave something from them. You can keep listening to them over and over oh, again. So yeah. that's why I got Linkin Park as, like, number two. So what you guys hear number two? Uh, my number two uh, would have to be the 1975. And this is hard. I wanted to put them at number one, but I put them at number two. Because they're, I'm saying they're my favorite band. They're like the status of my favorite band right at this time. Um, it just every song they make for some fucking reason relates to my life, which is nice. It's it's interesting. Uh, when you when you connect to when you can connect to music like that, it's pretty. I think it's pretty beautiful. And uh, this band's at my number two because I left number one. Uh, which is another, like, stupid tie thing. <laughs> uh, would have to be the Beatles. I, can, I guess I could do my one now. Sorry. That's all right. Go ahead, man. So, like, would have to be the Beatles. And then, uh, crap, another band that I love, like, well, I've loved in the past, but then I, I started to love them again was uh, Dance, Kevin Dance. So, like, I, I put them in both at a tie because, like, I loved, I'm always going to love the Beatles. 
because for obvious reasons, people know they're just one of the best bands ever, just pioneering a lot of things and and, and certain just impacting the music industry and leaving a legacy behind that's just very important to like the whole culture of music and just like they're a pop culture they're everywhere so and this other band has been in a whole different scene for years now and they've gone through various band changes as far as like band member changes and but now I think they found a solid footing and releasing a lot of good music but if you're not into like I guess you'd call it post-hardcore. If you're not into that type of music, um, I feel like it's going to be a little difficult for you to get into it. But it's a lot, it's very, actually very in, intricate lyrics and very, uh, and, uh, just like, they're interesting. Very interesting songs and uh, I would suggest checking those out. But those would be my number ones. What's yours? Uh, my number one would have to be Metallica would be my number one honestly um, it's you know they're the band they, they're still going strong and oh my god their music you know but since my cousin Sal like he introduced me to Metallica so it was really great listening to that and funny thing is I didn't listen to Metallica He Say Anger was the first uh, <laughs> sorry guys Say Anger I'm way behind Say Anger was the first album I ever listened to Metallica and then all of a sudden, you know, I went back and started listening to the early, you know, the early stuff from like Kill 'Em All from their first album. So I got all their albums and, you know, going, I mean, there's so many hits I can name you from Metallica that I really enjoy. And of course, um, they did covers too. Um, they did a Bob Seger cover, Turn the Page, which like, was really good. I enjoyed that. Um, of course, Enter Sandman, <laughs> um, Four Horsemen. You know, Ride the Lightning. I mean, their music is used anywhere. Like, if you go to, like, a football stadium or anywhere, like, any sports, you can just hear, like, Ride the Lightning or, you know, you can hear, you know, For Whom the Bell Tolls. Like, honestly, they use it in stadiums. And, like I said, they're still going strong. They're still touring, you know. I mean, even um, their latest album, you know, Hardwire was really good. I really enjoyed that track. You know, it was, like, going back to, like, their old days, basically. It was like a throwback to the old days. So, yeah, Motaka will have to be on number one. Like, of course, I listen to the Beatles. Like, like Biko like, has the Beatles. I listen to them in 1975. But what, what comes to number one, it has to be Metallica. Honestly. They're a big thing on my... I have most of their songs on my Spotify Save Life right here. So, <laughs> definitely listen to those a lot. So, definitely my number one is uh, Metallica. So, I'm going to go with that. All right, moving on to the... You know, I don't know... Andy will have something with this type um, category, but she's not. I'm much of a big fan, but um, this is for all the otaku's out there. Um, this is for a top five anime. <laughs> As oh you, yeah, you can do that one. Yeah, I'll do that one. You have a different category. Big will will go with his own category, but this is something I really had to get out there. Um, like I said, I'm a big anime nerd, so yes, I am a big anime otaku. I watch anime to this day. Sad to say, uh, Funimation. I was really devastated with Funimation and Crunchyroll. You know breaking up their partnership, which was really cool because they were sharing each other's libraries, you know. <laughs> Funimation were doing the dubs of the Control license um, works, and Control was doing the subs of the li- of Funimation license works, so they were sharing. You know, I had Verve, and of course, um, when, they, when they announced they're not working together anymore, that their partnership was going to end, not this week, but the, the 9th, I decided to go back and get the separate um, services again, like getting Control Premium and Funimation now, so, so that way I can still enjoy both words. Because I'm a big fan of both subs and dubs, and it was really hard coming up with this list because there's, like, so many great anime out there. And, of course, there's some new ones that just came out this fall that caught my attention. 
But these are the ones I decided to pick for the top five. So I know you guys probably have your own top five. You guys can debate, you can agree or disagree with me, but these are the top five I decided to go with. With number five, I went with Fairy Tale. And Fairy Tale, you know, it's a, you know, it's a good series. You know, honestly, anime wise, I haven't read the manga, but I really enjoyed the story, you know, with magic and stuff. And, you know, I really enjoyed the dub version of Fairy Tale. I did see the sub version, but I really enjoyed the dub version because, um, you got, Todd Habercorn, who's a great voice actor, he does like a lot of video game work, a lot of anime work. He really brings that, you know, instance when he brings up to the character of Natsu. You know, really enjoy his voice work, you know. Every time, you know, Natsu says, I'm all fired up, you know, it really gets my attention. Of course, the story's really great, you know, follows the guild with the name Fairytale, which is one of the longest, like, wizard games, you know, they do missions and stuff. And, you know, you get to know the different characters, the different personalities. Of course, you got Lucy, who she wants to be, you know, she's a great, like, summoning wizard. So she has the keys, uses different keys to summon, you know, different spirits to help her out. And, you know, she wants to join Fairy Tale. And, of course, you got Natsu, who, with his uh, little flying cat, Happy. Um, pretty much, he's, like, he's part dragon. He was raised by a dragon when he was a kid. And, of course, he's trying to find out what happened to his, you know, his father. Um, who he called, like, his father is a dragon, so... Like I said, there's different, like, characters out there you can name. Like, Grey is one of the good characters on there. Um, really, really great show. I can't wait. And then, of course, the final season just came out this season, so I can't wait to watch that. Um, I've been holding up on the sub. or waiting for the dubs to catch up, so I'm definitely going to watch that. Um, for my number four, it was really kind of hard because this is, this is a really long series. I can't really pick what iteration, so I have to go with the Dragon Ball series. So I definitely have to go with Dragon Ball because it was one of the first animes that I saw when I was a kid. You know, in the early mornings on local TV, of course, you know, being in the U.S., they had to cut, like, a lot of stuff, you know, because of Japanese humor and all that stuff. They were not technically for, anime technically is not for kids, you know, honestly. It was more uh, towards the teens and adults. That's pretty much what it is. Um, so definitely, you know, the Dragon Ball series, you know, the first series, you know, went focused on the young Goku meeting Bulma. You know, going to the first quest to get the Dragon Balls, of course. Then, of course, you got Dragon Ball Z, which was a continuation of Dragon Ball. You know, that didn't hit the overseas until, you know, the late 90s or going to the 2000s. So, of course, um, and of course, Super. Um, I haven't watched Super too much yet um, because I'm waiting for the dub to catch up. Because honestly, I grew up watching the dub of Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball, so I never got, never listened to the subversion. I mean, I heard the subversion is great, but I got, I grew up more watching the the dub version of Dragon Ball, so I'm used to like the voice of Sean Shimon doing the voice of Goku and Christopher Saba doing Vegeta, so got used to them doing the voices. So can't wait to watch Super. Um, my number three will have to be, you know, one of the current ones. Um, Sword Art Online, you know, I read the light novels. I really enjoyed the anime. I, you know, really enjoy it. Like, it's a concept. I mean, what happens you get trapped in a virtual world wow. where your HP goes down. You basically die in real life, which is one of those, you know, what if type of things. And we're heading to our thing where, you know, virtual reality is being a big thing now. You know, we're getting to that point, you know, who knows what will happen in the future, but it's a really great light novel series. Definitely watch the anime, you know. It's like one of those animes that, you know, one of those, like, stories that, you know, focus on Kirito, who's one of the protagonists, but also focus on Asuna, showing she's not weak, she's a strong woman, you know, but at the same time, you know, she kind of breaks down and shows that, you know, compassionate side when it comes to Kirito. And now they're... um now with the anime adapting the you know, arc, so definitely watching that. Um, right now, I'm like 
I just finished book 14. I'm still waiting for book 15, which won't be out until next month. Until December, actually, it will be out. So, actually, I'm actually far ahead from that anime. So, let's recommend Sora Online. I know Netflix is developing a live-action series, and they do promise they are going to be a diverse cast for that one. They haven't announced any names, but... Um, We'll have to wait and see with that one. Um, number two is the big thing that pretty much is trending everywhere right now. Um, will be My Hero Academia. Yes, My Hero Academia is number two. So honestly, it's like, when are you going to find a manga that uses superheroes as its main base? You know, there's manga for different things like sports, sci-fi, you know, fantasy, romantic comedies. But when did you see a manga out there focused on superheroes? And it's a great story because basically the whole premise is like 80% of the world's population have these abilities known as quirks. And, of course, people are used to it in everyday life. And, you know, kids at the age of five started developing these quirks. And, you know, there's our schools that actually would train you how to, you know, control your powers and eventually get, you know, get jobs at a hero agency and get paid, the, you know, to protect people. And there's people out there who are also quirks who uses their stuff for evil. So it's a really good series, and it follows, you know, Izuku Midoriya, who's pretty much one of those rare cases where his parents will have quirks, but he was born quirkless, so he has no powers. But he's inspired by this hero named All Might, who's like the world's, who's the country's number one top hero. Um, like, he's really heavily influenced, and, you know, even though at a young age he was told that he's not going to have any powers, he still has that drive, that fanboyish charm to try to see if he can become a hero even without having powers. It's a really good story, you know. It has, like, the classmates that he goes with are freaking awesome, you know. They have different types of quirks that you can never imagine those quirks ever happening. I mean, there's some inspired by, you know, by Marvel or some inspired by DC, but, you know, each quirk that each of these kids possess, you know, kind of fits with their personality. So definitely check out the manga and also the anime itself. And, of course, they had the movie that came out, you know, for a limited run here, My Hero Game 2 Heroes. Sadly, the movie won't be out until physical release until next year. Um, definitely check it out on My Hero Academia. You can catch it on Crunchyroll and Sub, on Funimation Now, or even on Hulu. So definitely check that out. And number one will be the one anime that got me back into anime. Because in the late 90s, I didn't get back in, like, I just got burnt out from anime because it was the same, say, you got Sailor Moon, Dragon Ball. So when people thought anime, the first thing they'll think of it was Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball. But of course, um, one late night, when Adult Swim, Barely released. Um, they decided to show this one, you know, anime called Cowboy Bebop. It's one of those animes <laughs> that I never thought it was possible. Like, it got my attention. It was like, wow, anime can get this dark, you know? It follows, you know, a bounty hunter named Spice Seagull, who pretty much it's him and Jet, and pretty much they drive around a spaceship called uh, the Bebop, and pretty much they're bounty hunters. They're space bounty hunters, and they go do the missions, and they run to this girl named Faye, who was you know, who was cardiology frozen from a long time ago and she woke up in the center and then you got this mysterious character named Ed who pretty much likes to take over gadgets and stuff and then you got this this dog named Ainz who's basically a genetically modified dog. And it's a really good series of music phenomenal because it's got that jazz soundtrack to it. So it's really influenced by like jazz and a lot of their titles for the episodes are pretty much like uh, song titles. They're basically all like song titles. Basically all their episodes are all song titles. Um, even even it spawned to a movie called Knocking Heaven's Door, but the problem was um, when it came over here in the West, it was um, just Cowboy Bebop the movie. So, but in the Japan it was known Cowboy Bebop Knocking Heaven's Door, 
And because I guess there was a copyright, there was a song by that name, so they couldn't when they when Funimation I forget it was Funimation that brought it over here, they um, couldn't release it under that title. So it was just simply just Cabo Bebop the movie. But there were two titles Cabo Bebop knocking on heaven's door. But honestly, the dub is really fantastic. Steve Bloom, brave actor. He's voice of Spice Seagull. Also does um, Samurai Shampoo, Naruto. He's done so much work. He was voice of Wolverine for the the Disney uh, Marvel series. So definitely, Cabo Bebop definitely recommend it if you like space and of course you know if you like jazz. If you like enjoy the soundtrack, the music, um, and the story, definitely check out Cabo Bebop. Um, okay. Um, did you have like a own category list for your end? No, I didn't. I didn't really have one. I just kind of. Omitted that one, but yeah. I don't know if you have anything with this one for this next list. I have the top five professional wrestlers growing up. Uh, I can name a couple wrestlers that I like, but no, we can go with that. Go ahead. Okay, number five, of course. Um, I know he's a big, you know, controversial right now after you know the things that he said or he got recorded saying, you know, back in like five, three years ago. I have to go with Hulk Hogan. Yeah. The Hulkamania. I have to, because honestly, I grew up watching, you know, wrestling like in the late 80s, early 90s, and of course, Saturday mornings or Saturday afternoons, they'll have superstars, and of course, it was Hulk Hogan coming out, and, you know, like I said, I like him as the character, as a person, you know, when the things he said, you know, kind of like opened my eyes, but I just remember him as the performer, as the entertainer, you know? You know, that's wrestling, you know, he was the big face of WWE, and of course, you know, it got to that point when Vince was like, you know, it's time for a change. And, you know, Hogan wanted to re- go into acting. So Hogan stepped aside. And, of course, you know, they had the whole doping scandal in 1993, you know, with Vince McMahon being, you know, even though he was acquitted, but he was being accused, you know, of, you know, doping his wrestlers. But, um, of course, you know, Hogan revitalized his career when he got signed. He was signed with WCW and brought in DNWO with Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. So... Honestly, like I said, he's my number five. Because like I said, I respect him as the character, you know, not as a real person right now. I mean, I'm still, I know he's doing his apology tour right now, apologizing for the comments that he said, and he's still trying to make amends, you know, solely now he's, he made it, it's solely he's like, they're solely bringing him back to the mix, but not like in a big way, because he still, he needs a lot of work to do, you know, as a person, you know, apologizing, but, you know, become the terms of himself. For things he said, so like I said, Hogan's on number five. Number four, uh, it's one of the current wrestlers right now. Um, big one that you know was Seth Rollins. Honestly, he's a guy you know. Honestly, got my attention. You know, ever since he made his debut in 2012 with the Shield, but he was like the big standout guy. You know, he does a lot of the high flying, high risk stuff. But when it comes to his promos, it's really good job doing promos. You know, and a lot of his moves are crazy, like unorthodox. And honestly, he's a guy that could be a heel or a face. And honestly, he's like just himself, which is really kind of cool. And really enjoy it. And like I saw some of his NXT stuff. Like his NXT stuff is really great. You know, check it out on the network. You know, a lot of his early stuff on NXT. He was one of the he was one of the first NXT champions. So it was kind of cool. Yeah, I think yeah, he was the first one before. He went up in the roster before he got called up. So definitely, Seth Rollins will be my number four. Number three will have to be the king of hardcore. Guy who's transcended, like, to three different personas. You know, honestly, you never seen wrestling transfer, like, three personas. Like, this guy. This guy was willing to put... This legend was able to put his body on the line just to, like, entertain the fans. You know, get their attention. It had to be Mick Foley, honestly. You know, I read his biography and... 
Honestly, Mick Foley is a legend. Honestly, going to the early days of uh, wrestling, he went to wrestling school. He trained with Don Morocco and all that. But at the same time, um, he started in like WCW's Cactus Jack. You know, doing stuff off the, you know, doing his finish move was the elbow off to the off the ring apron to the floor on an opponent. And of course, um, that famous incident where he lost part of his ear in a match against Vader in Europe. And um, when he got caught between the ropes and he had like a little cut in his ear and he ended up ripping part of his ear off. Um, and of course, you know, his stuff in ECW, and of course, and he did the Japanese death matches with Terry Funk, and on um, the big Hell in a Cell match with, uh, with Undertaker, who, which is still being regarded today. I mean, it's 20 years since that match took place, and I haven't watched that match since, but I am gonna go back to watch it again, and you know, Cactus Jack, he had Cactus Jack, he was Mankind, he arranged Mankind, wore that leather mask, I can tell he really hated it, because that was the character they gave, uh, when he came to WWE, and of course he was Do Love, one of those ones he did when he did like these independent video movies with his with his uh, friends. That was the character he came up with, and he was lucky enough to have Do Love make an appearance in WWE. But he is a legend, he's a great author, wrote some great like autobiographical um, stuff. He was a New York Times bestseller. You know, his son's actually working in WWE as an assistant right now, two writers right now. So that's kind of cool. But he's always wanting to make appearances, you know. So showing he's still kicking it. After all the injuries that he's staying over here. So definitely McFoy's my number three. Number two, even though he's not wrestling anymore, he's always been a controversial figure. Uh, is will be CM Punk. <laughs> because CM Punk was, you know, he was a main... Re- like, I fell out of wrestling, like, around 2004. I just got burned out because, you know, a lot of the wrestlers I grew up, you know, they were gone. They were retiring or they were leaving. They were not doing this stuff anymore. Everything was changing. And then here comes a guy... Who honestly, people in the backstage didn't see him as a as the face of the company, as the big guy, as the top guy, because the way he was built, the way his character was, um, with CM Punk was honestly he broke the mold. Being you know he wasn't what you thought as a like I said he was a top guy and he wasn't a big he wasn't a big buff guy you know, like you see as a as a stereotypical wrestler, but he broke the mold. You know honestly. With his moves, and you know, he, he had a big following in Independence. You know, Ring of Honor was his big promotion. He did some stuff for TNA for a little bit, and then um, he signed that big deal with WWE. He came out of the ECW brand when they when WWE tried to bring back ECW. I know Paul Heyman has always been a strong supporter for CM Punk. Um, always had his back when Paul Heyman was at WWE at that time. Um, of course, so the big thing that blew up for him was I mean, he's a guy who he could be a face, but he can be an incredible heel. Honestly, when you had the straight edge society, when you kept picking on Jeff Hardy, like using like real life problems, like to get to your opponent, you know, like bring a lot of that real world stuff to promos. And then, of course, he cut the famous pipe bomb, which basically, what the writers told him, like basically the writer and the producers in the back told him, here's my phone, just say your stuff. And all that stuff he said. And of course, you know, he was champion. He had to one of the longest reigns of championships for like 300, for like a whole year, like 400 something days as champion. And of course, you know, the big, you know, down the line, he felt burnt out, you know. He had to do things that he did not agree with, you know. Giving up the belt to The Rock, who was a part-timer, who was more focused on Hollywood, or had to put over guys who were part-timers. And, of course, you know, he and WWE had a falling out in 2014 in January at the Royal Rumble. And then, um, you know, they had a, you know, the big, you know, knife in the back was when he got a, facts on his wedding day that he got fired 
And of course, he decided to branch out on other things. You know, he did comics for a while. He had a run on DC. He did a um, run on Drax. Um, he does. He did UFC. Of course, his UFC career wasn't as successful. He lost two of his fights, but at least the second fight, he actually went all all three rounds. Um, he's doing like he's doing movies now. He's doing films now, which is really cool. Like, he's working on different things. You know, he's doing a lot of things. He's doing different projects. He's on. He's one of the hosts for Ultimate Beastmaster on Netflix season three. Honestly, but like I said, his performance is a great wrestler. He was someone that you got you keep wanting to keep watching every week and find out what he was going to say, what he was going to do. And of course, my number one, of course, will be Stone Cold Steve Austin. Honestly, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to see what's come on. Every time you hear that glass break, honestly, that's the first thing you you think in your head. Every time you drop like a bottle or drop like a bottle on the floor, or something the only thing that comes to your head, you start hearing that guitar riff. That he was a guy who was like he represented like the blue collar worker. Like honestly, did give a shit about anybody and pretty much stand up to authority. You know, even you know fighting with the boss. So he was one of the main pioneers of the ad era. He's one of the guys that. You know, basically help win the Monday Night Wars. It was him, Mick Foley, and The Rock because with their promos. Honestly, like all the promos that Austin said, like honestly, anything Austin said was put on a t shirt, you know. The Stone Cold Stunner, you know, when he got that neck injury in 97 against Owen Hart. But before, he was just a technical, he was a technical wrestler. But of course, he was doing like, you know, great moves in technical wrestling. But of course, when he got that um, neck injury from Owen Hart, you know, God rest saw Owen Hart. So, um, he had to change his style because he had to change his whole style to be more like a brawler. So he had to change his whole thing and it actually worked for him. And of course, you know, he had to retire in 2003 due to all the injuries cut up with him, like his knee and then his neck was acting up again. Because he got to, and then I guess, um, if you, people don't realize that before that match with the last match with The Rock, uh, apparently he was in the hospital that, that the night before. So I guess he had like a panic attack or like a severe panic attack, and then they had to like because I guess he was drinking coffee. And he was getting he was I think he, what happened was the nerves he got into it because you know it's been a while. But of course, you know backstage, you know people. He was the one that said that it was going to be his last match. No one knew about it until later on that he really saying that this was my last match. Which all the injuries cut off with him, but it was nice to end in WWE. And uh, even though he lost to Rock, but he ended on a good note. That's all I can say. And he did make appearances with WWE over the years. Um, he has a great podcast. Definitely the Steve Austin show. Really enjoyed a podcast where he sits down and talks with like, you know, different people in the wrestling business or entertainment business. So definitely check that out. So yeah, he will always be my number one wrestler. So do you have any wrestlers that, Biko, that you liked back in the day when you used to like wrestling? <laughs> um, I liked, I liked watching, uh, what you call it, DX and The Rock. Those, those guys were probably the most, some of the most entertaining wrestlers to watch. And then you got Undertaker and Kane. I really like those guys. Because uh, they stuck it out for like the longest time. And uh, they were very entertaining in the 90s. And how, it, I mean, wrestling was pretty popular in the 90s. Until uh, it went to mainstream. So even those guys were crossing, you know, levels of stardom. And they're all married in the social, you know, social public view of stuff in pop culture. But it was really good. Like, those guys were put on a good show. Yeah, and throw Mankind in there, too, because it was pretty it was diverse. And he could play it all, and he had different wrestling styles, too. And he was willing to put his body on the line. So I do. 
And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Those are my favorite wrestlers. All right. I wanted to throw a curveball uh, list here. Um, this is something, I mean, yeah, you can, like, laugh it off. But, of course, we all had something like a fantasy crush. So, I, ta- I put the top five female fictional character crushes. So, I mean, this is, like, spanning not just, like, TV, but, like, books and stuff, like, comics. I mean, honestly... Come on, guys. You all had crushes on a fictional character. You know, it's out there. Um, here are my top five. So if you have anything to say, Biko, <laughs> you can go ahead and contribute. Um, number five we'll have for me will be Ramona Flowers from the Scott Pilgrim series. Honestly, she's not your, like, typical Ditsy girl. She was a girl that had, like, attitude. Like, and the funny thing is she came with baggage. She came with seven evil exes. And, of course, you know, I kind of like for a fact she dyed her hair every single time and... She can take care of herself on her own. Like, she's not the helpless damsel in distress. But she was one of the ones that pretty much got your attention, you know? And she was basically, like, your main goal. Like, you had to go, like, for Scott, he had to go through all, like, the different set, different exes just to, you know, be with her. You know? And, you know, definitely enjoy that series. So, yeah. Ramona Flowers, honestly. She's my number five. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> no, yeah. That's a good one. I can agree. I think Ramona Flowers is interesting. But, yeah. No, go ahead. Number four will be Penny from the Big Bang Theory, honestly. Not only wrong, I mean, the actress that plays her, like, she portrays, but it's kind of funny because it's a girl, like, you know, someone that you felt like, you know, you're not gonna, she's not gonna fall for a nerd, but eventually later on, like, she finds a way to interact with, like, with, with geeks and stuff. It's like, you know, she's not into that stuff, but somehow she finds a way, you know, like, to interact with them, you know, you know, share their interests sometimes, but. It's like, she's a girl that maybe, you know, if you wear her down a lot, she'll eventually, you know, come around and you eventually go out with her for a point, you know, Leonard, he eventually marry her. But yeah, she was one of my crushes back then, was that she, they got me back to watching sitcoms, but it was pretty much that, that show. And she's one of my favorite characters, so. Um, what you got for your number three? Uh, number four, I mean, sorry. Oh, no, I didn't really make a list for that one. Do you have anybody else in mind? Uh, I like Topanga. Topanga Lawrence growing up as a kid, yeah. I think she was pretty hot. And and I think that show came out when I was little kids too, so it was kinda of like growing up with the show. Um but they started at a later age, but no, it was very interesting. I always thought she was hot. Um and then she ends up marrying Corey Matthews, oh it's so adorable. But it happens, like the show was good too, so it was kind of hard not to when you watch these type of shows. There was a lot of sitcoms back then. That's why. Mm-hmm. Um, that were more targeted towards teens. Now you don't you rarely see that. They're starting to do it on Netflix, but now it's more like more for the young adults now. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like there's it's a weird gap right now. But those I don't think those shows would appeal. Uh, number three will have to be for me. Will be Sabrina, the teenage witch. Melissa <laughs> uh, Joan Hart. Yeah, I was a big fan of Melissa Joan Hart. Mm-hmm. I had a crush on her. Um, honestly, um, Sabrina. Like it was like you know I didn't know about Sabrina, the teenage witch. I didn't know she came from the Archie universe. You know, but as soon as I saw the open credits based on the Archie series and they had Melissa Joan Hart in mind, you know, TGIF was a big thing growing up in the late nineties, and it was one of those shows I enjoyed. I had a crush on Sabrina because you know. She was like, to me, she was like an outcast, you know, she was a witch, but, you know, trying to get along with mortals, like, you know, with regular people, and, you know, but she proves that she could be a good friend, you know, yeah. she was a good friend, friend that you could depend on, you know, she makes mistakes, but she lives up to, she owns up to them, but she was a girl that, yeah, 
you can't help but have a crush on like one day you'll be lucky to be with her in person so yeah so reading teenage witch um would you add your number three uh mm, I don't have a number three I think that's all I hadn't really can't really think of anything I didn't really do this list this one I didn't get to this one I didn't know uh number two uh Mark Simpson would be my number two. <laughs> honestly, Mark Simpson, because honestly, she's a woman like, you know, she has to put up with all the shit that Homer does for all the things, they, all the arguments they get into, all the stupid shit that he gets into, and she honestly stands by him. You know, she, you know, forgives him, but she's a strong woman. Um, she pretty much, like I said, she steals all Homer's stuff, and, you know, honestly, she's like a MILF that you definitely want to... <laughs> She'd be like she's one of the original milfs, kind of almost, and and honestly, you could do with that. Um, like I said, she puts up with a lot of Homer stuff, and you know she has to do with Bart a lot. You know when he does his shenanigans, and then of course she's she's a good mother. You know, always like looking out for her kids. You know, regardless of their personalities, and like I said, dealing with Homer. Honestly, people were thinking, oh, why why did she pick him? You know, why why she had up with him? She could have had anybody. Um, because she was all she was popular in high school and stuff, and she ended up going with the doofus. But you know, like I said, it gives you hope that you know even someone you meet in your life that eventually, that eventually you do um, end up being that person. But honestly, Marshall was one of my you know she's my number two um, fictional character crush. So definitely had that. And of course, my number one will have to be you know recent right now it will be Ochako Raka from My Hero Academia. You know she's cute. Um, She's a good friend. Um, honestly, and she kind of broke the whole anime trope being not like a love-struck, you know, anime girl. You know, not being a love-struck girl that who goes after the main protagonist. Yeah, and what's kind of cool is in the manga, like, yeah, she started developing feelings for Deku. But honestly, she finally comes to terms that, yeah, I do have feelings, but I can't deal with it right now. I want to focus on my own path and... You know, make myself a hero, work myself to be a hero. So I'm gonna put my feelings aside. So that kind of for me broke the mold. That got me got me to like admire her even more because she's like she can hold on her own. Like I really love her quirk, which is like gravity, where she can manipulate gravity by with the pads on her hands. But the fun time, funny thing is, she'll like she can't hold her power too long, or else she'll start vomiting. But it's kind of cool. She can make items flow. She can make herself flow, and she can release it with the palms of her hand. But I guess she's not your stereotypical anime girl, and definitely respect her a lot. And I do have a crush on her. She's my number one crush. I know you have a number one fictional character crush, Pico. And sorry, he had to step out for a little bit. Um, you hearing the sounds of Elf? <laughs> He's trying to chime in his own little thing. <laughs> um, I, I think Mary Jane from Spider-Man probably was. Because I read the comics a lot too, and she was always in there, and, and it was nice to see Peter like that, like her, and it's like she showed, really came to her own character once the story developed into the further decades. Um, but I always had a crush on her too. But yeah, I don't. Know, I guess she'd be my number one. All right. Um. Next up, the list we have uh, the top five video games. Um, this was really hard for me, uh, because, like, honestly, I've been playing games since, like, I was, like, four years old, with the NES being my first system, so it was a tough list to come up with, um, so, 
yeah, you can agree with me or not, but you know, it was like I said, it was a really hard series uh, of games, like going through an entire game library and pick out those five out of those games that you play. But here I go. Um, number five for me, I had Halo, <laughs> mm-hmm. the Halo series <laughs> was what number five. Uh, yeah, I was in the Xbox before I went to Sony, but honestly, it was one of those shooters that honestly, I'm I'm not a big fan of first person shooters, but Halo got my attention. When I got the Xbox, and it's a good game to play with your buddies. Back in the day, when before you know Xbox Live, you had to take your Xbox to a friend's house, get like one of those like phone LAN cables, and hook two Xboxes together, hook two TVs together. So it was kind of cool. Back in the day, having you know we'll have LAN parties, and you know go let the systems connect to each other, and you can do four on four battles, which is really cool. And those were pretty fun. Right? Those were fun. Very fun. Go to your friend's house, pretty much go on a Saturday, and pretty much play Halo till you got tired and. Rest up and then the morning go do it again. So definitely Halo will be my number five. What will be your number five? Oh man, that's a good one. But uh, my number five was Gunstar Heroes for Sega. <laughs> uh, it's what do you even consider side scrolling? You're just like side scrolling these two guys with little laser pistols that you can upgrade and get pick up mods along the way. They're like little bubble thingies and you play. It's very like Mega Man style, but like. They had different enemies and it correlates with the stories and the levels are very challenging. It'll change your patience and it's a really fun game for two players, uh, especially on the Sega. It plays really fast. You can get it through it. Um, it's, it, it, it's definitely replayable. Um, it can get addicting once you start beating a lot of the levels. Um, and it's really fun to, to mix and match the combinations of the guns and stuff for the, each character, and it's it's really entertaining. It's like Contra too, so it's along those lines of the type of shooters. That's say number five. I would say number four will be have to be Kingdom Hearts. I know you guys are probably chancing why number four. Um, the Kingdom Hearts series as a whole. That's why number four, because honestly. It's one of the things that got my attention because, you know, Final Fa- I'm a big, like, RPG guy. I enjoy Final Fantasy. And, of course, you know, when this game came out and it was like, you know, Square, Square Enix said, you know, let's do a RPG game, but let's do something with Disney in mind. Um, of course, uh, if you know the history of Kingdom Hearts, you know, originally Mickey was going to be the main character. But, of course, Disney being in the whole... We don't see Mickey being violent or something like that at that time. That's why they came out with this character named Sora. But of course, had some Mickey-esque inspiration when it comes to the wardrobe. But of course, you had Donald and Goofy as the supporting characters. You know, had Donald as the magician and Goofy as the defender with a shield. And it's a great series because it was a good um, co- uh, combination of Kingdom Hearts characters and the Disney World. And that was kind of cool because you got to visit the different worlds of Disney. You visit Hercules. You can visit Alice in Wonderland. Um, it's a series that spanned out to like many installations. You know, Birth by Sleep is supposed to be the prequel to Kingdom Hearts, um, but from the beginning. But of course you have the Keyblade Wars, you know, now we can't wait for Kingdom Hearts 3, which I've been waiting for for so many years since Kingdom Hearts 2. Of course I had that game pre-ordered for like two years now, so can't wait for that. It comes out in January, do they confirm it? Of course, um, they confirm like Big Hero 6 is going to be in it, Monsters Incorporated is going to be in it, The World of Tangle, Frozen, a lot of the current stuff. You know, it's kind of interesting, I got a lot of current stuff, and they got most of the voice cast coming back to reprise their roles, the voice roles, so they got a lot of like... Um, actors who did the characters for the films to come and do the voices, which is really fantastic. So, Kingdom Hearts Kingdom Hearts Three comes out next year in January for PlayStation Four, and of course for the first time on Xbox One. So, Xbox people could get to enjoy it. So that's my number four. What do you have in your number four, Biko? 
Uh, my number four would be the Call of Duty series. Uh, preferably the early ones, uh, up to... I, I do like Black Ops 2 as well. Uh, and then anything with the Nazi zombies modes in there and, and playing all through the Easter eggs. I spent hours doing that, playing with friends, playing zombies. And then hours on the multiplayer, just trying to get to the prestige and doing... Doing freaking long game sessions up to from like 5 p.m. to 5 in the morning on a school night or some shit. And everybody was on it. Like everybody was playing this thing. It was like I feel like it was a big cultural phenomenon, which you're starting to see this in, in a lot of different games now, not just like first person shooters genres taking up um, such an impact in, in I want to say, like in the public eye and in the gaming industry. Uh, but that was definitely something that I spent hours playing with my friends. Uh, and then just, like, talking shit online with their headphones on and playing team-oriented games. It's, like, it's something special that a lot of people got to do with their friends. Uh, it caused you to kind of be able to socialize with whoever you're socializing at work, but then they can keep in touch with your friends. And I think these type of games, such as Call of Duty, kind of helped create as bad as it seems like talking shit and whatnot but when you're like, playing with your friends it's like it's kind of a special thing because you're able to communicate with each other and playing this thing that you guys both love and and like talking shit it's fun all right for number three i had sonic mania that's my number three. Oh yeah because it was like you know i'm a big sonic fan dude i have a sonic tattoo in my right arm so honestly i was a big sonic fan growing up and you know later on in the games you know after the Dreamcast days, it was kind of hard, you know, for Sonic to be in a 3D game. And, of course, that they just had this independent studios that Whitehead, um, decided, um, Christian Whitehead and his studio went to Sega and say, hey, you know, we want to make a Sonic game, but we want to go back, like, do a callback to the old, you know, 2D Sonic games. And Sega said, hey, go ahead, we'll help publish it. And it was awesome. They brought, um... Tyler Hess, who did the animation for the for the anime cutscenes, but he helped with the character designs. And honestly, it's a good throwback um, to the Sonic series. You know, the music. You know that it just brings you back to your, as a kid. Basically, you're growing up playing Sonic on the Genesis today. So it was kind of hard picking the games, but Sonic May was the big one. This recent memory because it's it's like a callback to the old school Sonic, and I really enjoyed it. So yeah, Sonic Mania is my number three. Hmm. Um, my number three has to be Pokemon. <laughs> uh, because that also was fucking like took the world by storm and still is. It's like he saw everyone got Pokemon Go and then it took that by storm again. But like it sees the impact that they've made in our fucking psyche and pop culture. Uh, but yeah, I grew up getting to play those, uh, Pokemon games on the Game Boy. Mainly just the Game Boy. I would, I would get to play, like, the stuff they made on GameCube in, like, N64 through going to, like, our cousin's house or friend's houses. We had Smash Brothers, so, like, Pokemon was everywhere. They they transcended themselves, too, with the show. So we would watch the show, play the games, watch the movies when they came out. It was just, like, fucking addictive. Uh, the games were fun. It's, it's a very simple type RPG, so... It, and just walking around, you still had the adventure aspect, and... Trying to do, you know, raise your Pokemon, train the shit out of it, playing hours and hours and spending a lot of money on batteries just so you can be better than your friends and trade Pokemon. And it, it was crazy. It took the world by storm. Uh, but that's my number three. Uh, number two had to be the Final Fantasy series. 
Um, honestly, like I said, I'm a big JRPG, and of course, Final Fantasy to me the holds a big thing. Um, problem is, I didn't get into Final Fantasy series until like PlayStation um, Two, so I didn't get to play Final Fantasy Seven. I didn't play the NES games, so. But now I, cool about PS4 is now they have the PC version of Final Fantasy VII. Of course, they're they're still squaring to work on the remake. But playing that, um, Final Fantasy VIII was a good one. Um, of course, people don't like Final Fantasy XIII too much. I thought it was okay, but honestly, but Final Fantasy XV is not bad. Of course, people were expecting turn-based, but kind of like because you know. It takes place like in modern times, but at the same time it has the whole, you know, adventure-esque, go with your buddies, you have a set party, and, you know, you can strategize, you can still strategize while doing fast action fighting. But I really enjoyed the story of Final Fantasy XV, and looking forward to the DLC, because I'm going to go back into Final Fantasy XV, I got, I beat the main story, but of course there's sort of different, like, story chapters for, on each of the main characters, and Square Enix said they announced more, you know, DLC coming out next year for Final Fantasy XV. So they're still expanding upon the story. And of course, like I said, Square is still working. Now that Kingdom Hearts is finishing, now they could turn their focus to Final Fantasy VII Remake, and I can't, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so yeah, so that'll be my, my number two. Mm-hmm. My number two would have to be the Fallout series, uh, preferably the three up to four, and because seventy six is gonna come out soon. Uh, I preferably like Fallout three and New Vegas. Those were very fun and interactive games for me that I spent hours on too. And uh, that I really love the aesthetic for what it presented uh, the world after a nuclear explosion and kind of living in the wasteland and in the dystopian future that turned into the present and um it was fun building up a very going through the story of this person that you get to create on your own and then making choices it's a very solid rpg that you can get lost in uh the shooting aspect of things and and then doing the puzzles and it's a solid rpg that you can easily get lost in like i definitely recommend it uh, if you like for it, it brings a big whole, bigger aspect to the game as far as including the shelter aspect of, of building your own town and overseeing that and basically ordering <laughs> all your resources into one area while you get a townspeople near you to come and stay there and, and create a whole new settlement in the wasteland. So they bring that other new feature that can really... It, it took a, I think it took away from the story in part four because it was a lot shorter and you were you weren't given too many freedoms as far as making the character your own in part four but it does have its benefits and its pros to the the graphics uh the adding that sentiment one it was it was interesting it brought a whole new thing to the game uh and the shooting was a lot better this time around but it still had its little bugs, which freaking, uh, oh, what's the, Bethesda, what is it? Bethesda. Bethesda, yeah, there you go. Their, their company seems to run into these bugs and their other games too, so it's something new. I think everyone's gotten used to it now. But other than that, that's definitely my number two. Alright, for my number one, I do have some honorable mentions. Um, of course, my honorable mentions will be Spider-Man for the PS4. Mm. Honestly, it's like, that's a really good game to play. Um, like I said, it's a game I'm still currently playing right now. I'm trying to finish the main story before jumping to the DLC. Because it reminds me of Spider-Man 2 when it was on the Xbox. But really enjoying Sonic. Did a really good job, you know. 
their studio, like, no one expected them to actually take this Marvel property because they wanted to work on a Marvel property, and they decided to go with Spider-Man. You know, they're known for, like, Ratchet and Clank and the, the Spyro series. But they did a good job. Really enjoyed it. And, of course, um, Sonic Adventures, my other honor mentioned, Sonic Adventure on the Dreamcast. Of course, they had the director's cut version on GameCube, but then they released that version on the Xbox 360 also when they started releasing Dreamcast games on 360. Um, because it was, like, honestly, that was a good 3D Sonic game. You know, it was Dreamcast. It was, like, the new system. And, of course, they, you know, who wouldn't want to put their mascot? Sonic was the mascot for Sega, and, you know, they had to put him for a new generation. Honestly, it was a good game because you had a choice of, you start with Sonic, but you can unlock all these other characters and do their arcs. Calling into a one single arc, so it actually gave you motivation to keep playing through all the stories, just to unlock that final ending. To get that good ending, and I really enjoyed that game. Um, because it was Sonic with a full voice cast, which was really cool, because, you know, Sonic never talked a lot. The only time you heard Sonic speak was during, you know, the TV show series. That's the only time you saw, you heard him speak, but in the game, that was the first time you could hear Sonic talk. So it was really cool. Um, but my number one will have to be Super Mario Bros. 3 for the NES. It was honestly... Great game for the Mario series. Yeah, there's a lot of good Mario games out there, like Mario Odyssey now is really good, or Mario 64, but I would say for me, that me and, like, Biko was able to see growing up was Mario Bros. 3. Very enjoyed the levels, like, the overworld, and it had, like, a, you wanted to play with your friends, like, you played Mario and Luigi, and you take turns going through levels, and it was kind of cool. I really enjoyed it. You go to eight different worlds and, like, different stages. It was kind of cool, it was like a play, because I didn't realize it until later on when I got older, it was all, like, a stage play. It kind of gives hype because if you notice, there's like screws and like little wires holding like the clouds and the trees. So it's kind of hilarious, but really good game to play. Honestly, it was one of the top selling games for Nintendo at that time. It was one of the top selling games overall before it got beaten by a different game. So, yep, Super Mario Bros. 3 is my number one. So my number one would just be the whole Super Mario Brothers thing in general. Uh, these games were the first games we played, and uh, they're just. That you can, they're just amazing fun, and they're fun for everyone. So challenging, all going through the levels and all the secrets you can find. It's just a fun world that these guys brought to us on Nintendo, and it's expanded throughout the years, and it's still going strong. And there's not a Mario game you can't pick up and find some some level of funness to. Like it's just, and I know that's not a word, but it's fun. You can play these games. And, for days with everyone, Mario Party, Mario Kart, shit. Like I just, I love the platform Mario. My favorites were the ones on Nintendo. So yeah, Super Mario Three was fun. Uh, Super Mario One, Super Mario World, and Super Nintendo. Just N sixty four. I mean, even when he went into three D, it just it it was amazing. He's still going with Super Mario Odyssey and now, and so it's like pick that up on the Switch if you can. There's just so many games you can go pick up and get lost in. Uh, that's my number one, Super Mario. Cool. Um, now we got... Now we're going to run short in time. You, you want to make, like, a part two? We can do a part two. That'd be kind of cool. I mean, yeah, I mean, we... Honestly, there's, like, three more lists to go to. I know we're running short yeah. in time because um, we got... So, like I said, we're going to do a part two of this for next time, but we got, like, I got, like, three more lists we're going to go over. Um, we're going we're gonna to leave that for next time. So, like I said, that's our list for SARS. So, this is going to be a part one of our top five lists. So, hopefully, you guys, when you get willing to listen to this episode, you agree or disagree. Um, like I said, um, feel free to check out past episodes of the Talk and Pop with Franchise to Vico. You can check them out, like I said, on Podbean and also on Spotify. Check it on there. Um, I do have a webpage. It's facebook.com slash the franchise network where we put links to the podcast. If you guys like have your own top five list and you want to share, 
um, go right ahead and comment on this on the page itself. Um, I do have a Twitter handle. It's at the franchise eighty five. That's at t h e f o n c h i z e eight five. That's the Twitter handle. Um, you can put, upload your top five list right there. And use the hashtag TalkPop next to it, and we'll mention it on the next episode when we do a part two of the list, of, of the, our top five list. So, like I said, if we're running short on time, you know, we got things we got to do. But like I said, we're going to take this time, you know, share our list with you guys. Like, you know, it's a tough thing going through everything in the world, pop, like our pop culture, you know, things that stick out in our heads, you know, and our minds, you know, coming down with this list, you know, breaking it down. And, you know, like I said, share with you guys. So, like I said, um... That's all the time I got for you guys. Um, as always, I am the franchise. I'm Biko. And geek on and take care.